Welcome back to the Trap Once and Future podcast, our series dedicated to following Big Finish's 60th anniversary series. Joining me are regular Once and Future panellists, Fraser Immemorial. Good evening, everyone. James Immemorial. Good evening. Sadly, Keith can't make it this time. He sends his apologies, so we have his alternative universe version. Melvin, welcome, Melvin. Peace. Good afternoon to you all. Now, if you think that's a star-studded lineup, you'd be right. But can we just talk about the incredible cast that's been assembled for this story as well? If this was a prime-time BBC One drama, you'd, I think you'd really sit up and take notice at, at the cast list of this one. It's absolutely, absolutely. phenomenal. Obviously, we've got Christopher Eccleston uh, himself, who uh, you know fairly recently come, come back to Big Finish, and now he's doing an anniversary story. We've got David Warner, sadly in, in probably his last role or one of his one of his final roles, certainly his last Doctor yep. Who work. We've got Gina McKee, who is just been in an absolute ton of movies and, and TV shows, uh, you know, over the last few decades. And Jesus. And Jesus, we've got Jesus. Jesus and Nazareth <laughs> himself. <laughs> And don't forget Nicola, Nicola Walker. When Nicola Walker is the also ran, you you know you've got a a, a, a a bulletproof cast. Absolutely, yeah. Who is yeah, the lead in in at least two kind of BBC dramas herself, isn't she? Is uh, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely uh, fantastic cast. Yeah, I still haven't uh, started watching Annika season two. Uh, I'm still a little bit in shock watching her kiss Paul McGann in season one. <laughs> <laughs> But Gina McKee, I mean, when she came, when she did started doing Big Finish, I think the first, I haven't heard Masterful at all, but I heard her in the Missy box set. Uh, and I was, I was just absolutely floored when they announced that Gina McKee was going to be doing anything in Big Finish. I remember the first time I saw her was in, she played Irene Foresight in the Foresight Saga. And this was probably 15, 20 years ago, uh, uh, opposite Damian Lewis, uh, who played Soames Foresight. And just that that series alone is, it's just Titanic. It's absolutely phenomenal. Uh, but to see Gina McKee, I mean, for me that she's the, she's the British version of uh, Catherine Keener, who um, you all may know her from uh, being John Malkovich, where she was, mm. I mean, she, they both just have that sort of like very sort of severe presence. So to have, again, Gina McKee doing big finish, but in such a loopy role is, it's just such a treat. It's such a treat. I love in the <clears throat> in the sort of extras bit they talk about filming uh, our friends in the north, which yeah, was like twenty six. Yeah. You know when you you're like going, no, it wasn't that long ago. No, 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 it wasn't. No, no, it was honestly, it was like yesterday. Uh, it's a wonderful sort of as they're reminiscing about because they because they play different ages and and Christopher Eccleston's like had to ask someone what it's like to be old. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and he's only only playing a character in his early fifties. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I watched uh, Our Friends in the North was on when I was at university, and and absolutely loved it. And then it's recently been repeated on BBC Four or, or back end of last year, I think was was it was on BBC Four, and I, and yeah. I watched it again. It's incredible, and obviously it launched the careers of Christopher Eccleston, Gina McKee, Daniel Craig, whatever happened to him, mm-hmm. and and Mark Strong. So it's just yeah. the four yeah. leads have gone on to have absolutely ph- phenomenal careers. Yeah, we've got that on BritBox here. It's been on my to watch queue forever and ever. It's it's rap it, it, it it's rapidly moving up. 
I mean, the behind the scenes stuff for, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about the, the once in future series at some point here, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but the behind the scenes stuff for me has been absolute highlight, like listening to them again, talk about, uh, their experiences, uh, uh doing our friends in the North or listening to, uh, Kit Eccleston, like if use about working with David Warner, like these are, I mean, I would, I would pay for like a disc of behind the scenes material, listening to these casts talk. I know when, yeah. when, um, Oh, what's her name? Is it Lisa? Who's the, who Lisa McMullen. Yeah. The and she's like, she's like, I, I listened in on the recording and all the sort of banter in between takes. It's like, oh, I want that box. Yeah. I, I, I want to just hear <laughs> what did they talk about when they weren't yep. playing the characters? Because it, yep. they, they, the richness of their experiences and and the love for each other mm-hmm. as well. Um, yeah. Because he, he talks about David Warner giving him advice about, you know, don't play the subtext or whatever it was. Yeah. It, yeah. It is, it, you can just imagine those anecdotes were just rolling out in between takes, which would have been a joy to listen to. I mean, I was even losing my mind listening to Nicola Walker talk about meeting Gina McKee at the grocery store. I'm like, I just, I, I just like, I just love hearing that stuff. Like that's incredible. It's yeah. so wild. Cause again, Mark, I mean, I mean, this is what we started off with was the cast and this is a man alive. Yeah. Having these people in, in one story for big Finish is just insane. It's absolutely insane. And we haven't even talked about Jesus. <laughs> and how has he not been in Doctor Who before? Yeah. How is how has that not happened? And not a particularly uh, sort of uh, good part for him in terms of stretching his acting muscles. A lot of just intoning yeah. in a in a kind of a, a grandiose way in this one. Uh, I think he did because he does the voice of the the silicons and yeah. the Time Lord in Memorial, but it's, he's maybe not using the sometime now usually I'm, yeah. up, I'm up to speed on on a lot of these uh folks but y'all are gonna have to give me a little bit of background on robert powell so oh, robert powell is like oh he, he's one of those british actors i i love him in lots of 70s films he did quite a lot of uh sort of b movies horror films he, he he's done comedy um because he was like part it was jasper carrot wasn't it yeah the detectives um, yeah detectives. detectives um but he was also he was he was jesus who's probably what most people would know him for playing um in what production um it was jesus of nazareth yeah jesus of nazareth um but he's also he's he's been like uh he was in casual was he in casualty for a while he's or holby he's been He's one of those those actors that just he's very versatile. He does a lot of stage as well. So he's he's kind of one of our our greats, if you like. Um, so it's, it's unusual because really... I mean I'm I I have a a fairly deep background in uh, uh, in in British drama, uh, at least awareness in terms of like period pieces and stuff like that. But I mean there are still some you know, obviously really big names that just sort of slip through the cracks because I mean, what you're saying is like, you know, uh, granted he's got a big presence there in the UK, but a lot of that stuff isn't making it 
uh, over yeah. here or isn't on like masterpiece theater or whatever. So, I mean, Jesus of Nazareth obviously is a, is a, is a, is a different case. Like, uh, but even that one, I was just, it just sort of got past me. So thank you for the background. He was in Doom Watch as well. Yeah. Zed Cars. Well, I, I always remember. Uh, he was in 39 him. Steps. That sucks. I always remember him hanging off Big Ben in the 39 Steps to, yeah. to stop the bomb going off. Uh, that's that's my yeah. that's where I know him from more than anything, to be honest. And Fraser, did you watch Our Friends in the North? Yeah, I was. I watched it when it was first out. Um, and how did you find the, their accents? Um, not as nearly as objectionable as Mark of the Rani. <laughs> you know, um, I mean, I, I I keep meaning. I'm like Melvin. I, it's on my list of things to watch. You know, right after like all of Doctor Who. In order, um, so it, it's on there. It's 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 something I, I, I keep meaning to go back and, and revisit because, you know, like you say, like starting out the the careers starting out of of those four leads, mm-hmm. you know, you could tell at the time, you know, there was there were mm-hmm. they had something about them, and you know, twenty five years we've just watched them grow and grow and grow, and you know, go off in different things, and you would think like Mark Strong's probably had the you know the le- the lowest key um career out of out of all of them and that's saying something it's it's, yeah. it's like it's like you say you know Nick walker's the the but he's someone who seems to be in a lot of things at yeah. the moment he, he crops yeah. up he's mm. been in the kingsman series hasn't yeah. he he's yeah yeah a couple of those he, he, he kind of villain in a lot of junior sherlock yeah. holmes films also yeah yeah he's, he does he plays yeah. a, a lot of villainy Kick-Ass um, as well. He was the baddie in the first Kick-Ass, I think. He was in um, Stardust as well as one of the... Was that, he might have been the main main antagonist in, in Star, Neil Gaiman's Stardust. Oh, yeah, he's one of the he's uh, one of the brothers, isn't he? Yeah, one of the seven, yeah. seven Septimus or something. Um, yeah, and cameos in like 1917 and... Uh, yeah. Well. Um, so, so it was really interesting for this because, you know, bringing having you know a, a production that is bringing Gina McKee and Chris Eccleston back together um so I was really excited to see um you know how that worked out you know between those two so really I wish they were given a little bit more time together in this yeah so should we talk about the Lumiat first uh, as I yeah. understand it this isn't a character we've seen in other productions from Big Finish is it the, the one, one, like I said, I think she's been in the. She was definitely in the Missy box set, which yeah. is where she was introduced, I believe. And she was then in, uh, right, in Masterful. Yeah. I think Masterful was later. Masterful, right? yeah. So that's the only because I, I knew she was in the Missy series, but I've not listened to that. But I have listened mm-hmm. to Masterful. Okay. The the origin stories in the Missy series. Yep. So I can definitely give you that bit, which is yeah. that she is. More or less the Lumiat, and I love it. I think it's a phenomenal idea. She is sort of the the Valyard version of, or the Master's version of the Valyard. Yeah. That's more or less, I mean, that's as simple as you can get. So she is the Master in, in a sort of future yeah. incarnation. Yeah. yeah. Right. I have heard Masterful and, and couldn't couldn't remember <laughs> uh, at all because I was kind of thinking it's such a great idea and it's a little bit thrown away in here. So I like it more the fact that it's already been established in in Big Finish and 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 it's um, it's a reappearance here because I was kind of thinking after Missy in the last instalment mm-hmm. introducing another female incarnation 
who is a bit quirky and funny, but although fantastic actor though she is, Missy is so amazing and yeah. delivers the lines so hilariously. So even when the Lima is being quite funny, when um, uh, um, when Liv says something about silence and she goes, "Oh my goodness gracious, where?" <laughs> it's it's funny, but um, in a way that you just think, "Oh, Missy would have would have would have sort of killed it." So so yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I've, I've come at this thinking this was a brilliant idea for a character introduced for this story, slightly sort of thrown away, and the reveal coming too early and too easily and and yeah. then uh it all being resolved so yeah I, li- I like the fact that she's got a life outside of this story uh that to, to be discovered so i'll definitely go back and and revisit masterful i think on the back of that okay. in, i listened in... to this the first time round, and i made a note and my note was for the loom was what you get if you order missy from wish yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is a little bit harsh i mean i don't know i think you know gina mckee has got a role to play and you know i was i was a bit like you mark i was thinking you know where's where's this character come from is this just a, a once a future thing and then i was like oh mm. you know presumably there is more you know loom yet stories out there so you know if it is just one or two stories of of masterful and and that box set then you know, I'm a little bit surprised. I thought, you know, because you then you listen to the the special features and Lissy McMullen's talking says, "Oh, I'm I'm really glad I got to write for the Loom yet because that's a character that I invented." So I was thinking, "Oh well, there must be loads of, you know, it must be like the Eleven where there's quite a few other stories with with the Loom yet in." And I think it's a little bit unfortunate, really, because I mean, Melvin, you can tell us when when did this actually when was the Loom yet actually introduced? So that Missy box set came out uh, right at the beginning of pandemic. So it was right. like June, July, 2020, mm-hmm. I think. Um, for me, sort of the opposite uh, point of view of that is, or not the opposite, but the, the flip side or the counter of that is that to include the Lumiat in this episode, and especially with the sort of energy that Gina McKee brings to it, for me sort of signals like, you know, a lot of these sort of character interactions or the the, the random characters being, seemingly random characters being brought together and paired up in these various uh, stories so far sort of uh, not only celebrates and like points to other parts of the big finish sort of uh, universe, but to, to include a character like this with that has the kind of energy that she brings sort of for me sort of signals that maybe she's not that we're not done with her or that we, we, we will see more of her, which I mean, I really have my fingers crossed because I mean, yeah, I can see where you would have that sort of take the sort of wish take on her uh for me she is as sort of silly and bouncy and chaotic in a gentle way as yeah. missy is cutting and sharp and sort of nasty and Absolutely. that missy story they they really bounce off each yeah, other yeah. and missy is really taken off guard which is kind of surprising uh, i think that so, could be fun i think know. i mean obviously i think part of the issue was we've come straight into this one from Invasion, Martian Invasion of Planet Earth 50, With which Missy, is, yeah. you know, we went from Missy to the Lumiat straight away. So, you know, the kind of the similarities and the differences are quite are quite stark there. Um, obviously, the reason I was asking, you know, when was this character introduced was to see, you know, is this a case of, you know, Big Finish have done something that the BBC have then kind of preempted? Because you, you look at Missy, um, you know, in the back end of season, sorry, series 10, where we'll have the arc of Missy's redemption, really, where, you know, which leads nicely into the, this idea that the next incarnation would be the Lumiat, that would be someone that is, 
you know that's yeah that's what happens but then what I, what i like about this story and the the lumia in this story is the is the end because obviously the master's going through the same degeneration mm-hmm. issue yeah and there is a thing in the the missy box set and it's touched on briefly in masterful about missy predicting that when the Lumiat regenerates, they will revert back to an evil version of the master, that there'll be no continuation of a good master. It's it's just an aberration that will be destroyed. So you have this moment at the end of this story when the Lumiat is degenerating, but it's trying to not degenerate because whether it's a forward or a backward regeneration, degeneration, they know it's going to be an evil version and they don't yeah. want to let go of that, which I do mm-hmm. I do love. And, and again, if, you, if you're not that familiar with the character, you probably wouldn't know that that's Missy's prophecy to the Lumiat is actually when you die, you will just revert back to evil. There will be no good uh, regeneration from yeah. you. I mean, I, I didn't know that about the, the prophecy, but it did link in nicely, I thought, with um, Sasha Deban's master, where, you know, you have the power of the doctor, where he has that one kind of throwaway line, which is like, don't make me go back to being me, mm-hmm. when they're undoing the, the forced regeneration. And that really kind of tied in nicely with, with the end here, where you've got the room is desperately not wanting to go back to being the master. So I thought that was a nice little bit of symmetry uh, mm-hmm. in that respect. And of course, it doesn't come up in this story at all. But like, it's also there's also a nice parallel to um, a character like the Eleven, where you know that have that one uh, incarnation, which is the Eight, uh, that is the the sort of the good one or the one that can be reasoned with at any rate. So again, it's not again it's not a direct tie, but it's like thematically, it's interesting to see that they have you know a couple of characters on the go that have that have this sort of multiple personality or not split personality but like you know things that you can count on in 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 terms of the character and one wild card that can yeah. pop up occasionally and i love the idea of this multicolored tardis the the, <laughs> the way that it's yeah. described like an ice cream, beach like mr whippy <laughs> yeah. mr whippy tardis yeah that was a great yeah. line I, I just think that's brilliant <laughs> i think the thing i slightly rubbed up against was that when the Doctor has, has degenerated into future incarnations like the Ninth Doctor and the Tenth Doctor, he's just sort of gone, oh, well, this this is obviously a future incarnation. I've found myself in this body, in this suit or whatever. Whereas mm-hmm. the Master has degenerated to the Lumiat and immediately knows, oh, look, this is, I'm the Lumiat now. You know, how, how do they know just finding themselves in that body that they refer to themselves as the Lumiat? How do they know that this is a good incarnation? Because it's the same master who's just found themselves in a different body. How do they know that, you know, oh, well, I changed for you, Doctor. This is, whereas the Doctor just finds himself in the Tenth Doctor's body and he doesn't then start taking on the things of, oh, well, in this incarnation, you know, no second chances and, and those kind of characteristics, if you know what I mean. It just feels like the the master's having a different experience to the doctor having been hit by the degeneration weapon. It might be because the the regeneration into the Lumiat isn't a standard regeneration. It, it it's it's a bit like the like you were saying, Melvin, about a bit like the Valyard. It's mm-hmm. the amalgamation of all the good parts from previous regenerations that are 
that are basically distilled into one entity. I, I'm not. I mean, there are so many holes in the stories as you go yeah. on. You know, you could drive a bus through, but um, whether or not that's why it's slightly different because it is a bit jarring. Because again, towards the end, and I know we've talked about this on previous stories. That sort of like, oh, I can't remember anymore. The, de- the degeneration as as I, I can't remember who you are. Mm-hmm. And then we get the the sand people reminding the doctor at the very end. It's like, oh, by the way, we've only got one proper story left in this arc, so we we better make you remember where you've got to go next. But and there are a lot of like sort of character based inconsistencies like that throughout this throughout the throughout once and future. I mean, you have the part where they're in the where the ninth where the doctor and I think it's the uh, or the Lumiat are in the in the chamber watching. Sort of like uh, it reminded me of that scene from the end of the Neverending Story, where he sees all the like all the big adventures, all the big events of his life. Um, but he sort of he says, "Oh, there's Utopia, like uh, the Nether Sphere." So he mm-hmm. has uh, uh, clearly has no problem recognizing things from his future. Uh, so I mean, again, it's like trying to look for consistencies in the way that they're characterizing how the degeneration is affecting the Doctor. Even is I don't I don't even think it's really worth pushing too hard against because he references spyfall he talks yep. about he that talks too. about the destruction of gallifrey and yep. you're like hang on that's jody yeah so we're, we're well it could be it could be that destruction of gallifrey well it could be but from, it could from be any, but... it, yeah it could be uh it could be the uh the one from the time war as well couldn't it that's uh even so the fact that he's referencing like the nether sphere i mean that's definitely 12th doctor missy stuff yeah uh, I, even the fact that the Eccleston Doctor is talking about Missy, even though I, apparently he's, I mean, just seen her as the tenth Doctor in the adventure before. But again, what do, what is he? What we don't know what he's carrying from even one story to the next. I just assumed yeah. that um, Robert Powell's slideshow or PowerPoint or whatever just had captions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's yeah. what you say about another ending story. I, I pictured it like the scene in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two when. Uh, when Kurt Russell is uh, is showing those scenes from his life, and that's kind of like a moving mm-hmm. uh, kind of thing as well, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it happens in the uh, in Twice Upon a Time as well when uh, the when the Doctor is there with the glass the glass woman, and all the bubbles are floating around with yeah. the various oh, scenes from his life. Mm. Yep. We love a good flashback, don't we? We like, we like a little montage of previous <laughs> yeah. previous Doctor adventures, or you know that 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 it's a very, I must admit that is a very anniversary thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I was put in mind of the the five Doctors because um, Robert Powell is essentially Rassilon, you know, as this Time Lord of Memorial, <laughs> the booming voice, and you know you, his first line is something like. It's always the doctor. It's like yeah. oh. <laughs> it's always the bloody it's like, doctor. But I think we've talked about some of the other stories not necessarily feeling anniversary. Yeah. Anniversary or whatever the however you would say that. Whereas this one did some of the elements did feel a little bit more. You you had lots of references in previous stories. You had those those scenes. It's, and I, I know you'll correct me if I'm wrong, but it's Eccleston's first multi-doctor story, even though it's a slight mm-hmm. difference mm-hmm. in a multi-doctor story. But mm-hmm. since coming back to the, to the franchise, it's his first multi-doctor story. So you you've got those 
anniversary elements in in there as well. Um, yeah, it's, it, it, there was bits I was going, mm, yeah, okay. Um, the story itself, I'm sure we will talk about that. <laughs> but, um, you know, it, there were nods there, which I thought, actually, this feels more of a, a special rather than we've pulled six hat names out of a hat and we're going to yeah. put them in an adventure together. Mm-hmm. I think the... Um, the names out of the hat, the Rod Stewart storytelling worked a lot better this time because it did feel as if these characters fit together a bit more than the previous ones. Um, but I think that was because obviously the narrative of the story is wrapped around, you know, we need a doctor, we need a alternative doctor, we need a companion and we need a, a master. A friend and foe, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's... So it was kind of more friends like their nursery rhymes, don't they? Oh man, that's very it's very Moffat era. The prophecies are very RTD, and the poems like I there was by the end of the Moffat era, I was just like, please stop giving me stupid poems. Yeah, what was oh I had to write it down, and now it's time for one last bow, like all your other selves. Eleven's hour is over now. The clock is striking twelve. Like it's the same cadence. It's the same very simple like iambic lines. Uh, iambic couplets like uh, sorry that's my uh, my former academic life poking out but uh, it's just it's very like it's a very Moffat era thing there's one for good man goes to war as well there's demons run when a good man goes to war and all of that stuff but yeah it starts in remembrance of the Daleks so doesn't it the little girl there's a doctor at the gate five six seven eight there's a doctor at the gate which is maybe the first example of it yeah which is a very influential story, sort of thing. Coming soon to Big Finish. <laughs> <laughs> the nursery rhymes have got to do. <laughs> All iterations do like to add more layers to Time Lord mythology because it always adds weight, doesn't it? You know, like Power of yeah. Three uh, or, you know, the Rachnos or, or whatever it is. It's always, or yeah, the Toclophane, it's always something from time lord mythology the ravenous it's it's like oh yeah this is this thing that we were scared of as children because it it has it has more weight but you the more you do it the less impact it has probably and you know if you don't if you don't sort of seed that earlier you know like this this nursery rhymes just mentioned here but the way the big finishes works they they could have dropped that into other stories other times in the build-up like they did with the greatest yeah uh so that it then you know it would reward the the very loyal kind of listener who is who is across the other ranges, and you go, oh yeah, that that must mean something that's coming up. They had like an eighteen month lead into the greatest, didn't they? Mm-hmm. I was gonna say, even if they had, uh, and this is something we'll talk about as well. I'm sure the actual, I mean, the series as a whole as to where we at, to where we are at this point. But even if they'd seeded it through the series, like yeah. in some way, absolutely. All you need to do is if the end of every episode so far is drop two or three of those lines. Yep. You know, the doctor. I remember this. I remember who yeah. must him most run must race and or whatever. You know, you could have just dropped it in because the thing it reminded me of Moffat wise is the bloody hybrid. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like it's all of a sudden he has this big massive chunk of Gallifreyan folklore that we've mm-hmm. never heard of before and mm-hmm. may very well never hear of again. Just, <laughs> just dropped like like a, a really just heavy plot. And I think that really is really what 
more than anything sinks the story a little bit is that we have this massive thing dropped into the plot that we have to explain. Um, if, you know, script editing-wise, they had spread it out a bit more, you know, like I say, I can't remember, oh, what's that you're talking about? Time Lord in Memorial? Oh, you know, all of that yeah. could have just been subtly sprinkled. So when they get to this point, you're not having to, to stop and explain so much because that's mm-hmm. what really really dragged had like i don't know me. like sand timers that were cracked or yeah. you know like um chessboards in yep. mccoy's era yeah yeah know? exactly it's a really subtle nod to a larger story arc that you're not going to know about till later because the stories feel somewhat disconnected in some cases yeah because there's nothing the, the, and, and I think I know we've we've mentioned this before, but you have a sort of doctor at the beginning. He says, "Oh, what am I doing?" Then regenerates, then goes into a story. Then at the end of the story, goes, "Oh, what am I doing?" And then regenerates, and and you're like, mm-hmm. "Okay." Mm-hmm. And we we've had these like little things at the end of the story where he's gone, "Oh, I've got to go and find some sand," or you know, this one obviously he's he's gone at the end. He's gone after Susan. He's discovered that the union is a person rather than a place or you know and we we had him looking for the the crystal mm-hmm. the diamond before, the diamond uh, array yeah yep. so it, it's it's been like oh here's a series of stories how can we thread it together in the the, the least um coherent coherent way yeah it's like <laughs> whereas if they had dropped in like you say a couple of lines of you know one of the random characters in the in the story suddenly reciting a few lines of of the nursery rhyme or mm-hmm. talking about sand or you know mm-hmm. something that actually built yeah it was just there because when we started first listening to the, the first ones we were all listening for who could it be what's mm-hmm. what's mentioned are there any threads that we can pick up on we were all speculating and then but i think the third story all our speculation had gone out the window because it was there was nothing connecting. now i've listened to all the episodes uh so i, I believe mark didn't you believe for uh, two or three episodes that it was the tree person from the daleks master plan <laughs> yeah <that> was, <laughs> yeah central is, is randomly mentioned in the first two stories so i thought that was a clue but it's just a coincidence yeah, yeah. yeah. still waiting for that big reveal <laughs> you, yeah, you I mean, behind it all this time they've had a lot of time lord characters in this series because you've had the monk you've had yeah. in in mm-hmm. the uh, the time war story obviously you know you had the general and and uh, and other time lord stories uh, characters who who could have been talking about their shared mythology and nursery rhymes and things they had mm-hmm. the two as well in fact you've actually had one in each yep. haven't you you've had the monk You've had the caretaker, you've had the general, you've had the two, mm. you've had Missy. Mm-hmm. So there's enough opportunities for, you know, a, a Time Lord character to to be dropping. They could this be in. reminiscing about their, uh, yeah, their time tot mm. fairy yeah. tales and nursery rhymes, couldn't they? Yeah. I'm sorry, I was just like skipping ahead a little bit because we're on this theme of what is what it is that's carried through. Like you were saying, the the hybrid stuff uh, in the in the Capaldi era, like at least that was either that or Torchwood or the crack in the wall. Like at yep. least these were threaded through the season, and it was one thing that you would look out for. Whereas in Once and Future, one of the things that's sort of bewildering about it is, you know, you've got the diamond array, you've got 
the sands of time. You've got, you know, there are three or four different things that the union also is like having trouble, like putting like any coherence to them or like, what do any of these things have to do with one another? And the fact that they're all, you know, mentioned at least for the first time in this story, like all of them are mentioned in one story sort of, I mean, I guess, you know, what their portent is will be revealed what next week in the, in the, in the McGann one. But I mean, it's it's still sort of bewildering that we're having to juggle so many different elements along with having the doctor, as you said, Mark, like say at the beginning, I don't know what's going on. And then at the end, I don't know what's going on. So it's like, where is the continuity here for us for as the, as the, as the listener, it's, it's just a little bit difficult to keep up with, with what it is we're supposed to be balancing and why. Absolutely. I mean, the, the diamond array has been mentioned in a couple of stories briefly, so, you yeah. know, and mm-hmm. it's it's very breadcrumby. It's sort of like, you know, go find your DNA, go find the array, go find mm-hmm. um, some sand. And, you know, it's it's very bread, breadcrumby in that way. And this, this one feels very much like a dogleg um, into the finale. So this feels very much like your, your story that's going to set up a few key elements for you so you can just launch into, into that two-part dramatic finale. And this is the only one where it's the same doctor all the way through as well. There's yeah. no yeah. sort of like first doctor at the beginning, then regeneration, and then the doctor carries on or changes at the end. You start with Eccleston going, I need to, you know, what does what is it I need to do? Mm-hmm. You do end with Eccleston, you know, the same as you've got the Illumiat degenerating, you've got Eccleston degenerating. But all the way through, it's him. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's no, there's no other doctors that sort of permeate that story, mm-hmm. apart from the alternative one. I wonder if because you've got the alternative doctor that you, you kind of simplify that that you've got the the two versions coexisting are, are kind of enough, you know, for for the simplicity of the story. Mm-hmm. It might just be Chris Eccleston didn't want to share the fee. <laughs> <laughs> which would also explain why we like why we get helen yelling at the eighth doctor and and or uh, live yelling at the eighth doctor yeah. and helen at the end and hear no voice or like david warner running into the tars and saying Go, Bernice, Bernice. Oh, and yeah. of course there's no voice there either so. well that was a missed opportunity i felt yes on all those counts i mean obviously you could have had like you know, uh, 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 Hattie Morahan and Paul McGann. Like, I mean, Paul's going to be in the next story anyway. He could have just uh, had them say hi. Like, it's just weird to have them shouted out and <laughs> I just think to, to absolute silence. This is this is made in during lockdown when you know people are having to record from home and you know they can't get together. And you know, who does David want to live with? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> yeah, Lisa Bowman. So why, why is no one just went? Actually, Liv Chenka, cross that out. It's Benny. Mm-hmm. Put them two together, and into that book. You know, I'm not a script editor or producer, so what do I know? Well, now I do. Uh, I do have to well actually you there because uh, apparently, according to the behind the scenes on the website, it says it was recorded. I mean, this was less than a year ago. This was uh, mm-hmm. November 2022. Mm-hmm. It says recorded that day, so apparently they recorded the whole thing in one day. In well, one day, yeah. That's quite a, a while after after the rest of the series, then, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of the behind the scenes have been talking about doing it in the height of lockdown in twenty twenty. So, mm-hmm. but it doesn't invalidate your point. Like they still could have gotten Lisa Bauer. Yeah, yeah. It's not like she's like uh, hard to find. 
No, she because she directs for Big Finish as well, so she's she's uh, you know she's there a lot, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So where this story does tie into the wider story arc is the idea that whoever created the degeneration weapon that's afflicted the Doctor and the Master, one of the components is the Sands of Time from the Hall of the Time Lord Memorial that's been stolen, and that has set into uh, the chain of events into effect that's going to lead to the destruction of the multiverse, uh, presumably inadvertently. Um, so so this is the, the, the story of this is that the, the Time Lord in Memorial is trying to prevent the destruction of the multiverse by getting the correct people together to summon him to prevent it. So it all seems a bit like, well, couldn't he just do it? Does he have to be asked? He's, he's there giving them clues and telling them what to do. Couldn't he yeah. just say, oh, "I'll tell you what, I'll just, I'll just stop the destruction." It just felt a bit sort of, um, kind of, you know, like is it, isn't it one of the Chronicles of Narnia where Aslan like won't help them because they haven't asked him, and you just think like you're omnipotent, like just, <laughs> just, just solve you're a giant it. talking lion. Come on, yeah, <laughs> um, that, that's actually all of the books I think you'll find, Mark. <laughs> yeah, he's like that in all of them. I think he's like the dungeon master. You know, doesn't give any actual answers to anything. Just, goes, just gives them a quest, and they go off and do it. And they come back, and they've learned nothing about it. It was um, also the the problem of the eagles in the Lord of the Rings. Like, why didn't they just? They could have just dropped the <laughs> dropped the ring into Mount Doom themselves. Saved us all a bunch of trouble. Nine hours of movies. <laughs> Much, much like once in future. <laughs> One of the things that did frustrate us about the story was how many times the question was asked. You know, how who is the Time Lord Immemorial, and how many times no one actually gave an answer. Mm-hmm. You know, was, I'm going to I'm going to say my favorite word when it comes to this series, and I'm going to say bobbins because bobbins. I think it's. it's <laughs> I, when I first when I on my first listen to this, the words I wrote down were noisy because it was just lots of background noise of things cracking sands or you know or, and, and I was really like I've no idea what's going on in my head I was like I don't, I don't know what's happening um I, I love the interplay between the characters the characters mm-hmm. are the the thing that save this yeah um but I, I did write bobbins at the end because it because it it, when he when he asks about the Time Lord in Memorial, he's like, "Oh, it's a place that does and doesn't exist. It's real. It's make believe. It's fantasy. It's it's reality because the the multiverse is collapsing. It has manifested itself. How did someone go there and steal the sands of time <laughs> when it didn't actually exist until the sands of time had been removed? I was like, Yeah, I don't, that, I don't, that seemed like a point." Lie. That seemed like a point made me think that this is going to be sort of like quite a powerful kind of being that's behind it in the end because they, they said that, you know, it's, it's not supposed to be a physical place that they can go. So it made me think it's going to be maybe something a bit, it's obviously not going to be the toy maker because uh, they're using him on, on TV, but mm. that kind of metaphysical kind of being that could go somewhere that doesn't, that doesn't exist. So yeah, mm-hmm. I, th- I kind of felt like that was, a point if it rather than a if it turns you know, out if it turns out to be Clara at the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sort of the way I understood it is uh how they've got um they got signs in 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 yards here where it's like don't dig because you'll you'll hit a power line 
So that's what that's how I understood it, is that they so whoever it was went to get the sands of time, like accidentally just hit hit a power line or hit a hit a hit a hit a hit a gas hit a gas main. That's how I that's that's how I understood it. Anyways, I I was a bit like you, James. It's it was a struggle the first time around just to kind of, you know, like I say, this, we've got this massive, you know, bulky plot just stood there. I'm I'm, hmm. I'm trying not to use the word turd. But that's what it's poo <laughs> dumping. But it's not that. It's not bad. Uh, that bad. Um, but it's it's like you know you've got this huge thing you've got to explain. So you've got to explain all about the the time order more, and that just sucks the energy out of the story because mm-hmm. so many people are having to explain so much, and you know it's it affects the characters because you have things like where. Um, You've got Gina McKean, you've got Chris Eccleston together, and they should be having a bit of bounce, but they're not having to explain stuff. It's the Doctor mm. meeting the Lumiat, and you know it should be something more than it is because it's who are you? Well, I'm the Lumiat, I'm the good version of the Master. I bring light now and not evil. All right, that's cool, but look, we need to go and look at this PowerPoint over mm-hmm. here and look at this sand, and mm-hmm. you know because of just how big this idea of of the Time Lord in Memorial is, it just really drags drags at everything. Um, there's a lot of exposition. Yeah, yeah. That was that was what I thought. You know, there's so much exposition yeah. in this. Mm. It's just so many, so many people just haven't to stand and explain things. When I came back to it the second time, because I've listened to it three times now, um, mm. the second time I enjoyed it a lot more because one, I didn't have the weight of expectation, you know, of, of thinking this is David Warner's final story. Mm-hmm. This is Chris Eccleston and it's Gina McKeague all together. It's going to be, and it's Jesus. It's all going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so without the weight of expectation being able to focus a little bit more on what was actually happening in the plot I enjoyed it a lot more and one of the things I did pick up on was there is a line from the Lumia where they are talking about the sands of time and how the sands you know and she says to me well I've been here before and they're like you what and she's like oh mm-hmm. not, not the time not the time we need to hold hands and summon um, you know Jesus so mm-hmm. From what I gathered from that is it sounds very much like, you know, the master has been a lot more involved in the degeneration weapon than we might think. Otherwise, um, yes, the he slash he has been affected by it as well. But the mm-hmm. suggestion is that, you know, the master's been here before. Maybe they were the one that took the sands to build the weapon and Which it's like backfired on them a little bit because, you know, yeah. that would be classic master if that happened. Mm-hmm. And the master also knows that the union's a person as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we know we've got River in the last story, and although River's not been in the previous stories, she she's linked to the previous stories because she mm-hmm. she was the one that passed the note over in the sixth Doctor story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so again, you don't know whether there was some involvement from River earlier on that we we just haven't picked up on yet. Um, but yeah, I thought that when she said, um, oh, I've been here before, I was kind of like, oh, okay. Mm. Um, and the fact that you've got the degeneration at the end, so maybe we'll get a cameo yeah. from, from a different master, master in, the, yeah. in the final story that they're not. Well, this is it. I mean, we talked last time about that bit of artwork about how it's got McGann and, and, and it's got yep. that empty space, mm-hmm. um, sort of top left. The, yeah. So is that you know we're speculating that might be another doctor that's going to come in? You know, could that be a master instead? 
you know, I think that's yeah. quite likely. To be honest, we're going to have um, another version of the Master pop up in in the last one. Yeah, the story. Um, the story again. It doesn't really. It's it's not. It's not a very good story as far as the story goes. Uh, for me, I mean, I, I also managed to f- uh, get through it three times, um, and not. I don't say that in a, in a disparaging way because for me listening to these and you were saying that the that's the characters that save it for me it's the actors that save it because mm. you know the, the it's what they like hearing those voices for an hour is a delight yeah. just an absolute delight and you know it, you can tell that they're having fun which mm. really makes a huge difference to the you know the to whether or not i mean for me at least i enjoy something because you can tell that these four actors have real chemistry that even though uh, uh, Nicola says she hasn't worked with uh, Gina McKee or David Warner before, like that she is like they're all extremely excited and happy to be there. And yeah. the fact that it was recorded on the same day means they were all there, you know, most likely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was just, you know, a- again listening to them. You know, we were talking about the silly the silly poems earlier, but listening to all four of these incredible actors say these insane and inane lines mm-hmm. is. I mean, that is a joy as well. I mean, the, uh, don't get me wrong. You know, the story isn't very good as, as a story, uh, but the, the the execution of it, I mean, you couldn't ask for four better people yeah. to have saying silly things about sand and four becoming two and, you know, doing, it sounded like long division to me after a minute. I'm like, <laughs> and then four goes into three and then three goes into two. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I think, I mean, for me, any, I, since Eccleston, came on board to big finish i love the eccleston so i mean i i love his doctor he, absolutely he, listening to the eccleston stories it just brings joy i don't mm-hmm. I, I don't know how he does it but he just mm-hmm. seems to be having a whale of a time and he is in this as well yep. his quips about the alternative doctor being like a, a poor copy of him or something that fell off the back of a lorry <laughs> he, he's, he's just he, he just the, He's, he's got such great comic timing and uh, the way that he says it, he can be really, really dry. Uh, but then he's sort of like with a really jaunty tone to his voice as well. I mean, I could listen to, to Eccleston for hours. And, and I think you're right. He, 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 some of the lines you're like, oh, my God, he must have looked at the script and gone, what have I got to say? <laughs> he, and, and it's the same with some of his other stories. You think, oh, my God, he, he must have read that and gone, I've done Shakespeare. But he just reads it. <laughs> he, he, just, he just goes, blah, 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 blah. And you can tell he's just having a great time while he's yep. doing it. And as a, and as a, as a listener, he just really just wraps you in a big comfy blanket and just goes, it'll be all right. Whatever I'm saying, it'll be all right. Yeah. I got that with, with Gina McKee as well, you know, yep. you know, for all that I've, I've said, Missy from Wish, but you know, she is really enjoying that role, isn't it? You can tell the way yep. she's, you know, delivering those lines and, and, and kind of like bouncing off them that she is actually quite, you know, invested and, and really enjoying herself as well. She's effervescent. Yeah, that's good. That's, word, yeah. I mean, that's not that's not too uh, uh, too extreme of a word because, like, again, there's just like something really like the energy almost comes out. I mean, it, I don't even understand. I, I don't know how to put it because I would say if it were TV, like she leaps off the screen. Yeah. But like, you know, she leaps out of your earbuds or whatever. Uh, like she she really like. And this is the other thing. What I was saying earlier about, you know, it seems to me that to bring her back and have her do this for this story 
they must have more coming from that character, mm-hmm. which I really, I want, I want that, you know, to have her guesting in the Missy series or the Missy series for, I think it was just the one episode as, as far as I remember. Uh, I, I, again, I haven't heard masterful, so I don't know how, she, how involved she is there, but again, a sort of supporting role here. Like I really want, I, I want much more of this character uh, because I feel like she has, again, that energy, like there's a lot to give there in a way that like we could really get, you know what you were saying about the, the 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 sort of bargain bargain version of Missy. That's only because she's given so little to do. Yeah, you know, with a with a with a media role with more substantive uh, 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 narrative arc. Like I feel like this could be a really really fantastic character. She's so. I mean, when when she meets Liv in the beginning, and the sort of like Sam people are attacking, and she's going, "Oh, oh dear, oh, look at this! Don't go near them. Sand will go in your mouth, and you all turn into them. Oh, don't love it. It's, it's it's like, oh my god. Like, shall we? Shall we go to the TARDIS? It's like. I even loved when uh, when Liv introduced herself. She's like, "I'm Liv Chink," and she's like, "I know." <laughs> <laughs> but this is the thing: all four of these actors can do. You know, again, it's it's a cadence. It's you know the, the the way they can say a word or the intonation or an inflection. Like they can do so much work with just the voice. It's it's really it's really remarkable. Liv's like the straight guy in a comedy partnership. In this, she's she's very. Mm-hmm. I mean, she she does have comedy lines is mm-hmm. but it's very sarcastic and, mm-hmm. and and quite sort of sharp where you mm-hmm. see so you've got and, and david warner as well has got some sarcasm uh, so you, you have the sort of like aquiston and, and lumiat sort of you know jovial you know rib rib sort of uh taking the rib mickey host. out of each other yeah. And then you have these other two characters who are much more deadpan and a little bit more, oh, look at these two children. You know, it's like, (laughs) and I I like that, that balance. And when they sort of pair off as well, Mm -hmm. um, but there does seem to be, again, going back to the the sort of drag on the stories, like where they end up walking round and round and round and round and actually they all stayed in the same place. Mm. Yeah. the other thing I was going to talk about is is the TARDIS's relationship with the the Eccleston Doctor, because does that wolf is it the wolf whistle and the TARDIS comes to, <laughs> to him, and then you hear this noise in the TARDIS and 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 it happens twice and he's like oh I won't do that again and it, it's like the, the the TARDIS is groaning at him for for either what he's done or something he's said and it, it I thought that was quite quite a nice little little thing. It's definitely charming. But I was going to say a minute ago uh, to go to your point about the the plot uh, or the storyline is to me it felt like, uh, and I know y'all call it something different over there. Uh, here we call it shoots and ladders. Uh, I know it's snakes and ladders for y'all. But like that's what it felt like to me is like you're in one place and then you slide down here and then you work your way back up here only to slide over here. And then you work your way back over here and now you're over here. Like it's like it felt in a very, uh, 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 you know, whether they were anywhere or nowhere. I mean, I don't think they ever really come to a, a conclusion on that at the end but like yeah it, it does sort of feel like just a, like a big game of shoots and ladders which again and then the pairing off because each of the pairs i mean you get every character gets paired off with every other character you get the lumiat and live at first yep. the the two doctors yep. and then you get the 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 lumiat and the the eccleston doctor and then you get the warner doctor with uh uh with the ninth doctor 
Um, I just think they really could have done something more with, I mean, any of these things, like the shoots and ladders format with the pairing off, with the comedy doubles, with the, you know, the, the, the rye wit versus the, yep. the, the more straightforward wit. Like there's something, you could have done something more with this as, as a story with all those mm-hmm. elements. And I think if you, they had done what we talked about earlier and spread more of what the Time Lord in Memorial is across the series, that would have given you a lot more space in this mm-hmm. story to have more of that, you know, have more conversations between the characters without, mm-hmm. you know, the characters having to describe what they're saying and what's going on and, you know, exposition and constantly. Um, so, yeah, definitely. And that I felt was one of the things that actually sort of got in the way was the Robert Powell sort of Jesus stentorian voice because at first, I mean, for the first sort of half, two thirds of the story, it feels like it's an omniscient narrator or what is the voice? And it's not really until sort of the latter, latter third, latter, certainly latter half that he actually starts interacting with the other characters. Mm. So I sort of feel like even if you had left that until the end as like a sort of grand reveal, giant voice, here's what you must do. I am the great and powerful Oz. Uh, <laughs> like it, it, it would have, it would have allowed those, interactions that you're talking about to happen more organically and maybe a little less exposition. I would have liked the Time Lord Memorial to actually have appeared. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, you need to summon him, so lo and behold, out he pops. And you mm-hmm. can have some wonderful quip about, oh, look, it's he's dressed like you in San Francisco at Millennium. And, mm-hmm. you know, got a real sense that, you know, this person was actually here and, you know, yeah, it might be Aslan, but, you know, at least Aslan pops up now and again and looks like a lion. So... Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that was that was a little bit lacking as well. There's a line that explains that the Time Lord in memoria is a little bit of every Time Lord that stared into the untempered schism. So it makes yeah. it a yeah. bit like the Matrix on Gallifrey as well. Or no, is it the uh, what do you call it? Where when the Time Lords die and their consciousness, there's something neural net or something like that. The, yeah, yeah, it's uploaded to the yeah, sort of Matrix net, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's kind of a bit like that idea as well. Because they've had that notion in the books, haven't they, with the, the the Matrix and the or the consciousness of of Time Lords, and I thought I thought it lived a bit like that when he was like, "I am the essence of every Time Lord that's ever ever been and ever will be." Um, I, I kind of like I was like, oh, "Okay," and when they talked about being on a when they were talking about the multiverse and mm-hmm. being sort of watching the universes uh, come together. It kind of reminded me a little bit of Flux and the space station, mm-hmm. um, yeah. you know, and, and I wondered whether that was going to be part of it, that that there was going to be some tie-in with that, but that's that's not, it's not gone there either, because that, mm-hmm. that was, I, I, I know as we go into new, new series, <laughs> um multiverse is probably going to be something that we hear a lot of or we'll 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 see lots of different splinters from the main show um but it, it it's interesting that here it's so sort of openly talked about like oh we've always had multiverses mm-hmm. um so yeah this is a curious one yeah multiverse is the big thing at the minute isn't it with obviously marvel's doing it so you know, it's 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 the which also makes me think maybe it won't come into the new show 
because I mean, again, with the same thing with the the toy maker, like you you would think that BBC that Cardiff would have something to say if you know if they were going to use an idea in big finish before they used it on TV. Mm. I think the thing is, so these these were written like four years ago. The, the project started four years ago yeah. before the new team came in, because even like yeah. the idea of degeneration has been you know is used at the end of the Power of the Doctor, kind of the, the, an old incarnation replaces the 13th doctor so i guess had that team been in place they might have put the kibosh on big finish doing a version of that but because we're into that that kind of interregnum period at uh at, at the, on the tv show that that you know there could be any kind of overlap i suppose mm. i mean i suppose it depends because i mean again they did record this in 2020 like november 2022 so that's that's more than enough time for them to have for RTD to have been like, mm, not sure about this. Yeah, I suppose it's just if it, if it was written in 2019 when they started it, or and it had already been approved or anything. But yeah, I suppose you don't know. Yeah. Um, we don't know what happens behind the scenes there, do we? Because I think you know, in terms of once in future, this is the first time that the word has appeared. Multiverse, yeah. that is. I don't think they've said right. it in once in future yet. Yeah, it's the f- I think so. I think it's just to get David you know, Warner's Unbound Doctor in, though, probably, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. Conversely, you know, they might have been more than happy. They might have said, yeah, yeah, sure, I'm going to do a big multiverse thing, you know, in, in series 15, you know, series 14, 15 is all going to be multiverse. So, you know, if, as long as you're all just doing this tiny little, you know, little thing about, yeah. you know, you know, Jesus is, sorry, I'm calling <laughs> Jesus, Robert Powell is, you know, the, the gateway to the multiverse, then, yeah, we'll have to sit down with that. And, oh, what a great idea. I'll cast him for series. 15 because he's never been in Doctor Who and he bloody well should have been. Yeah, he should have. I mean, they they call, I mean, I think Bad Wolf Studios have got home of the Hooniverse on, yeah. on, on yeah. one of the walls. I've seen a picture of Shooty next to it, so it's it's certainly a phrase that's banded around. Um, and from a franchise perspective, I know they're looking to grow it, and we already know some of the sort of potential spin-offs or certainly one's been confirmed as there's others I'm sure in the pipeline. So we're, we're, it's certainly an option that is there for them to, to take if they wanted to produce a, uh, a much bigger franchise. Mm-hmm. The Nissa Chronicles. I'm really looking forward to that. <laughs> <laughs> look forward to the new lady christina series uh let's not talk smack where it does where smack smack needs not be talked i love lady christina i'm totally about that i love her and jackie going back and forth i was shouting jackie tyler i'd pay for that series I'd pay i was shouting at the podcast when y'all were talking smack about lady christina because i'm like don't, don't do that i love those i want a box set of michelle ryan and warren brown uh getting into mischief chasing each other across the globe because they spark in those series, in both of those series, they are phenomenal together. Mm. And yeah, she and Jackie Tyler again. I, I also would pay for a disc of just that. That's what that. That's what that story should have been. It's just them doing crazy stuff and like uh, uh, going out and having a good time, getting wasted on the town. I, I would still be listening for four hours for you ain't my mother. Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 
but yeah, uh, what do y'all think about the the series? Where you know the series as a whole, where we are now. Like for me, again, you know, it just feels like it's it's felt. I mean, I again stepping in as an alternative uh, 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 once and future warrior for y'all. Um, uh, I just want to let my get my opinion out there on where we are to this point, which is that I have you know there are a couple of the stories that I've really loved as stories, uh, as opposed to sort of this one where you know we've already sort of said like really isn't much story here um but the artist at the end of time i loved that one you know for me having the uh, jenny character with the fifth doctor and the sixth doctor like there was a i mean that's that that is the really the only one of the series so far that to me felt like a story that stands on its own as a story uh and one that i will return to you know, probably more than any of the other ones. Um, aside from that, probably the the last one that we that y'all looked at, um, the Planetoid Fifty with the Tenth Doctor and Missy and the Paternoster. Like that was just like joke after joke after joke, and every single one of them landed. And just so, just in terms of pure enjoyment factor, I I feel like that one was a big winner. Um, and 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 this one again, like being able to hear these four voices was just such a gift. But you know, for the series as a whole. You know, I've been, I've been underwhelmed. I'm not going to, I'm not going to tell y'all lies. Like, and I've heard, I know that there's a lot of smack talking going on, uh, on the internet, uh, on a regular basis about it. Uh, for me, I don't know if I had known, I mean, not necessarily the story, but like, you know, that it was going to be what it's turned out to be. I don't know that I would have paid for the whole thing. I mean, I might've just gone in for the ones where, and I probably would have picked the exact ones that I just listed as the ones that I, as I, that I really enjoyed because I mean, you know, 80, 90 bucks. I mean, I don't know what the, the, what the, the today's conversion rate is, is, is into pounds sterling or the Euro for uh, those of our listeners in the Euro zone. Um, but I, the, the cost, I don't know that it's justified, you know, and that is a little bit disappointing to me. Sorry to go on. Sorry to pontificate. No, no, no. no. Um, I think for me, um, you know, I've come into this as, as very much like the the big finished novice. Um, mm-hmm. um, and I think there's been, you know, high points and low points in this, mm-hmm. this series. I think I've very much looked at it along the lines of sort of like a classic RTD or Moffat series where it is, you know, standalone stories with an overall arc. Um, so you know you, you've you've had your stories. We've had the arc bits running through, um, you know, and looking at the shape of that, like I say, this this one is very much a dog leg. I'm expecting next one to be the the grand finale, and then this coda that's coming next year. God knows what that's going to be, but you know, elements have worked really well. You know, I think having sort of like the different writers in to give different types of stories, because I mean, you look at, um. You know, last week's last week's last month's um, you know, Planet I fifty, you know, it's a completely different beast to artist at the end of time. And both, you know, fantastic stories, but that variety that we've been getting is really good strength. You know, we went from a very sort of traditional classic, you know, feeling story, you know, from a at the start into artist at the end of time, into then genius for war, you know, so the different styles, the different tones has worked really well. Um, it's been interesting for me as that novice to get a, a little snapshot of all of the big finish work that's going on. So it has been like a lot of 
it's been like a tasting menu in that respect. You know, I'm getting like little morsels of um, of these characters. Some of them are, you know, intriguing. You know, I would happily pay to hear Michelle Gomez and David Tennant, you know, oh do God. anything, you know, mm. from here on. Other ones, you know, things like, sorry, Melvin, cover you as Lady Christina, you know. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm listening to that. I'm thinking, I, I, you know, would I go out and, you know, specifically buy a Christina box set? I probably wouldn't. You know, yeah, okay, put them with um, Jackie Taylor. It might be a bit more interesting. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, another element, the sort of, um, I call it the Rod Stewart um, storytelling method of, of picking one from A and one from B and pot C and so on. Sometimes that's worked. Sometimes it, it really hasn't. I mean, yeah, you look at like Genius for War, where you've got Sylvester McCoy and Terry Malloy squaring off again. You know, big thumbs up. But then the supporting characters, the general, and who mm. else was it in that one? I can't even remember now. Yeah, the Time Lady, wasn't it? Yeah, it's kind of like yeah. you know, in this one, Liv Chenka. I mean, I dare say there's better Liv Chenka stories than this, but there's oh, nothing in this that says to me I must now go out and seek out you know, live chunk at a, to listen to. So it's, yeah. it's, it's ups and downs on the whole. I have enjoyed this. I've enjoyed, you know, this is the, probably the one that I've enjoyed the least. Um, the other, you know, like let's say plant out 50, um, and artist at the end of time. And the, was it past lives? The first one, you know, those mm-hmm. have been the ones that I've enjoyed the most. I've enjoyed most, most of most of the stories, if that makes sense. So, mm-hmm. um, it's, yeah, I think it's 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 been good for me, but then you know I haven't had that weight of expectation of being a mm. you know a big a big a long term big finished listener that is you know expecting maybe something a bit more. I'm happy with what I'm getting because it's it's fresh and it's new for me. You know, with other people I might be well. You have you know there is better stories for the eleven. There is better stories for um, the caretaker or whatever than than what we're getting here. And you know if that. If you were expecting something a bit more along the lines of flux, where it is, you know, very much one story that leads into the next, leads into the next, then I can see where the disappointment comes from. But you know, I'm, I'm enjoying it. I'm looking forward to seeing who the union is. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's and, very comforting to hear. Uh, I'm getting uh, it from up. my point of view because, again, like uh, aside from you know this podcast, I don't, I haven't really been listening to a lot of other podcasts about these stories. And so a lot of what I'm seeing from general audiences is on Twitter and it is, it's dire there y'all. Uh, uh, again, I am not as down on it as, as the internet is, but I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, you say that you should look at what they're saying about doom at the moment. Oh my God. I, mean, that's like... I, I have made a point actually, cause I listened to that set and I really liked it. Um, to go every time big finish posts about it, the, the vitriol, I go in there and I make, you know, I, I feed the trolls and then I run away. <laughs> so I let them, I just watch my notifications blow up all day and all the little, the little angry, angry face showed up or like such and such commented on your post. I'm like, y'all, the thing that they don't realize, which I love is my favorite thing. Cause my job is social media and marketing is that every time they come and uh, uh, spew vitriol all over the Facebook page, all they're doing is feeding the algorithm and increasing visibility for that post. So mm. what they are trying to do is get people to not pay attention to it. What they are doing is getting infinite more people to pay attention to it. Yeah. And it'll affect their algorithm as well. So the more they 
you know, criticise Doom, the more Doom will come up in their feed. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so like, I noticed you like Doom. You yeah. keep commenting on Doom. You, you, like you it. talk about That's Doom cool. all the time. So, so here's here's the next trailer for, for the next Doom story. <laughs> I mean, I must, I must admit, I've done. Uh, we did Time Lord Victorious. Um, was it? God, it was only last year, or the year before. Um, which again ago, was this yeah. multi-strand, stick it all in a jigsaw frame and try and work out where everything went. And and I, I, Big Finish like trying different things, and they they like to try and tie you into a story. They, you know, the way that they've done this is they they drip fed. Even though at the very beginning they did say, "Here's all the cast members that are going to be in here," you didn't know what combination they were going to appear in. So they've done this drip feed where we've been eagerly awaiting the next uh, cover image. So we know, oh, oh, who's in this one? Who, you know, even though we're sort of down to the last couple of stories and going through my tick list of who's been in it yet, you you kind of, you've narrowed it down. I think each story has brought something different, whether that's the combination of characters, whether that's the tone you know, I, I love artists at the end of time because it's very somber and it's it's all about, you know, the the curators thinking about death, the the, the fifth doctors thinking about family, and you know, it, it's quite a gloomy piece. Then you have something really fun, like you say about Planetoid Fifty. Um, I love any opportunity to see Sylvester McCoy facing off against uh, Terry Malloy. So for me, I love that element of it. There's been some nice moments where I've gone, I'm glad you put these two characters together, or I'm glad you did this. As an overall arc, doesn't, for me, sit together, because I think these these feel like... Oh, I sound really, this sounds really harsh. I don't mean to sound it as harsh as it is, but it sounds almost like the monthly range where they've got all these stories that they were going to release on the monthly range and then they were like, oh, we're not doing that anymore. How can we link them together? I know. <laughs> let's do. Let's just tag on a bit about the Doctor degenerating at the beginning and the end and then we have a story. Because it feels like this one, this, apart, you know, degeneration is mentioned, but you don't get any other Doctors. So we've we've kind of like we're gearing up towards the end so it's like let's not worry about all of that let's try and stick in lots of other stuff but i think like you say i mean would i still buy it i probably would but i think there are elements i mean of i probably would I too but i would wait until it was on sale yeah <laughs> wait wait for one of their 60 percent of flash sales and then go yeah i love that um whereas i think some of the other anniversary ones um the Destiny series and things like that. I think that I, I love those, and and I think they're they're much more coherent. It doesn't feel like it's a series of odd stories. They're much more strongly connected uh, together. So, yeah, it, it's it's not that I dislike it because there are certainly lots of elements that I I'm really glad they've done. I just think there could have been, like like we've been talking about today with the nursery rhyme, something that connected them all other than the Doctor is degenerating. Because that's really the only thing that's threaded yeah. throughout all of the stories is that is that sort of plot line, 
which we we started with at the very beginning and we're still you know we now know that it's some sort of weapon made from sand and that's it (laughs) (laughs) you know it's it's funny you mentioned doom as well because that's again it's very light arc um you've got the the basic setup of and and the similarities go further actually because in both cases the character's been hit by a weapon we don't know by who we don't know what the weapon is we don't know how it'll eventually kill them and then in order to try and get to the bottom of that the doctor and doom have gone off throughout the universe uh meeting loads of different characters companions and monsters um which are unrelated to that central uh kind of issue that they're trying to deal with so yeah i guess it's kind of parallel evolution uh that, that somehow they, they they've become very similar like that but yeah i'm, I'm quite like you um fraser i think it's probably my least favorite one um but the acting and the characters and the interaction is is definitely for me made it really worth listening to, mm-hmm. and I think that's been my favourite thing. I think I mentioned this in one of the others. Is the thing I love about multi doctor stories is the thing I kind of love about Avenger movies and stuff like that as well. It is characters that you already know and you've seen independently meeting, and and that's just really really cool. And you know, if uh, I think I have heard all the kind of Liv Chenka stories and. Absolutely love her as a character, and she's brilliant with the yeah with the Eighth Doctor and Helen. Yeah, I guess if you introduced her in this story, she is a bit more of kind of an exposition machine. Um, She's quite kind of wry and everything as you'd expect from the character, but she she's 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 an absolutely fantastic companion. So if you if you've got that, if you come to it with that knowledge, or if you come to it with the knowledge of the Lumiat, which I didn't. And then see her interact with another incarnation of the Doctor and and and, uh, and and live and things like that. That's where the kind of the the real pleasure of this series comes from, um, and it does for me. And I've got to say as well, just a point I made earlier, and probably people were shouting at their uh, phones or whatever uh, when I said that the nursery rhyme thing started with remembrance of the Daleks. Didn't it's the five Doctors, isn't it? It's who unto Rassilon's tower would go must choose above, between, below, and that's another anniversary link as well. That's that's why I feel this is the most anniversary of of all of them because you've got this mythical Time Lord figure, you've got multi doctors, you've got you know companions coming back. It it it's it, it's almost got that game of Rassilon feel of you know I yeah. gave you the Lumiat, an old friend to. You know, to be with and an alternative doctor, it 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 feels that, and you've got the nursery rhyme thing. I mean, it's just that Gallifreyans just have a penchant for uh, <laughs> for nursery rhymes, but it, it 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 felt more like an anniversary story because it had mm. those sort of uh, shadows of of the five doctors. And don't worry about it, Mark. I think more people probably shouted at the phones when I described the plot as a giant turd dragging everything down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the one one great thing about uh, having shouted at the phone myself over the past, you know, six uh, six or so, five or so episodes, <laughs> is uh, again how how fair y'all have been, uh, and how fair the the regular cast and crew of uh, of Trap One has been to these stories. Because again, it's you know, it's, it's very easy to dump on something. It's very easy to see something that you don't like, or like pick apart a plot hole in an, again, in an anniversary story 
uh, or in an anniversary series, which again, I appreciate y'all thinking about and talking about your experience of the series as a whole, even though, again, I've heard all the episodes just to be able to hear it at first hand and talk about it with y'all has sort of like put my mind more in a, in a, in a different sort of space. And yeah, absolutely. I think in the, you know, if, if I had to do it again, I probably would have waited and bought, bought it when it went on sale. But I have, you know, there there have been moments that I've enjoyed in every single episode. You know, I have enjoyed the the serendipitous meetings and the weird pairings. Um, and it has been a good time. Um, again, like, I think my problem has been the same as, you know, sort of more, uh, 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 maybe a lighter version of, of the, the typical Doctor Who problem, which is, as y'all were talking about um, uh, variously, all three of y'all, that weight of expectation. When you expect something and it doesn't deliver, then, you know, it's easy to dump on something. It's easy to hate on something. Um, like you were saying, Fraser, you know, I, I do have experience with other, you know, my big, my big finish experience is quite wide and varied. And, you know, the light at the end, I loved, you know, does it really hang together as a, as a story itself? I mean, n- not hugely, but like it is more coherent as a narrative from beginning to end, or even something like the worlds of Dr. Who, which is a little bit looser and does that same thing of bringing together it's mostly sort of the off-brand characters. And I don't say that as a, as a, as a, as a disparaging comment. It's just like, it's not necessarily Dr. Who. Um, uh, uh, it also has sort of a looser arc, but it is a more coherent sort of full story. I think if I, or maybe if big finish had said, you know, this is celebratory, you know, don't look, I mean, that's, it's, it'd be, it'd be a weird way to market something though, is don't look for coherence. <laughs> 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 80 bucks don't look for coherent story if expectation had been set at a different level I think I'm, was what I mean to say that you know maybe uh, uh, my, my approach would have been what y'all have again sort of talked me into now over the course of the last hour or so is just like you know let's 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 take a step back and see you know from the new from the new person's perspective from the veterans perspective you know from how are we coming to this how are we approaching this really affects how we enjoy it and again i've appreciated really appreciated hearing y'all's takes on it thank you that's really kind thank you i i think where big finish have been really unfortunate as well is where uh, and which has added to some of the negativity is they've been let down by the suppliers so mm-hmm where the the special edition cds have taken out a very long time to arrive and then there was a problem with the printing on one of the sleeves and then when that came out and the other sleeves came out and there's a problem with the sort of foil coating mm-hmm. um which i kind of thought that was kind of when i first saw it, i admit i did think that was people not really looking after them properly and then <laughs> mine is just I, I literally arrived and i put it on the shelf and uh when i looked at it a week later it was um the fall was all just kind of deteriorating on it and uh, and peeling away so i thought no actually there is a problem with that so that, that, yeah they have been let down by the suppliers um yeah. in that case uh and and you know will all come good in the end but i think this is, is this the sixth or seventh release this is the sixth, sixth. one the six and I've only got the first three CDs mm. um, so far. So yeah, that, that's, you know, it's kind of outside of their control, but I think it's added to some of the disillusionment and disappointment from, uh, from listeners as well. I get it. And I mean, I ordered the, I did the special edition of the digital version and I, you know, that's, that's where I feel a little bit sort of taken advantage of is that I only think, I think the only difference digitally is that the extras are extended. 
which I'm like, is that really worth the extra? I don't know. And it, the, the difference was negligible though. From the download, it was like an extra three bucks maybe, or an extra $4 or whatever. But again, for me, my primary, like my, 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 the real thrust of my enjoyment or what, what reinforces it every time is the behind the scenes stuff. So, you know, if I paid a little bit extra for that, then that was, then that was money well spent because, you know, even just the behind the scenes on this alone was phenomenal, much less listening to David Tennant talk about trying to control his, control his, uh, uh saying lines and try not to talk over Michelle Gomez. Yeah. Incredible. This behind the, I mean, the behind the scenes stuff alone, like I say, I would pay for, I would pay for a disc of that. Just listening to the four of these people in this particular release talk about their careers. God, I would just absolutely pay for that. I wish there was more of it. You, you kind of, yeah. you get drawn into it because it's only like 15, 20 minutes, isn't it? And yeah. you're like, oh, I want to hear more about that. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, I, I guess, it's, it just proves that it's it's a good thing to have on there. But it, you're just kind of like, yeah, I've listened to the story. Now I want to be rewarded with... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> some some extra bits that you yeah. know regalers regalers yeah. Yeah. are you not entertained we have leader to trap one emergency alert to all radar stations yeah so this is is, is david warner's certainly final doctor who work potentially potentially it could be uh his final other work i i think he's brilliant in this story I, I love him with christopher eccleston i love i love the, the points when they both say a line at the same time yeah that was good those bits really made me smile uh he's great as a kind of a more world weary doctor i think than than even christopher eccleston who's got all that sort of time war baggage although not as much on on big finish um does does everyone have like a favorite david warner role just as a bit of a a sort of a tribute to him as his, uh, this is his final work. I absolutely, like I grew up on uh, the way that y'all grew up with uh, Doctor Who. I grew up with Star Trek, the next generation. So uh, Goma Dread in the episode where he's interrogating Patrick Stewart. That is just, for me, that was, I mean, I was probably what, 12 when that aired or 13, like at that age where that sort of thing embeds itself into your head for life. And I always think of that always, always incredible performance as a Cardassian uh, interrogator in uh, The Next Generation. How many lights are there, Melvin? <laughs> there are four lights! <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. I would have picked that one if you hadn't picked the first. Um, that is just a... I'm not going to stop you from picking it also. It's brilliant. <laughs> um, absolute powerhouse performance, that. Um, other than that, I think for me it would be The Omen. I was going to say the omen, yeah. Because yeah. um, the you know, way he is dispatched in the omen, yeah. but oh. he's, he's always he's you know he's a much younger to role, you know, but he's already got that world weariness as well, you know, the sort of like downtrodden, you know, um, photographer, um, and he plays that so well in in, in the omen and. You know, that that fatalistic side to that character who who knows that something's coming and you know lo and behold it does come and it's it's one of cinema's greatest moments when it comes um but yeah that that's another standout turn by David Warner for me 
I'm glad he he appeared in Cold War as well. I think it's it's, mm-hmm. it's nice that he was he was on the the, the TV series. Um, he's another one like he's like Robert Powell. He's he's been in everything. You you mm-hmm. go back and you you look at his career and he's done stage and screen and TV and you know such a versatile actor and you know even he was in scream 2 so he's he's done like classic horror he's done some of those sort of old old british horror films and then he's sort of come back and done sort of cameos in more recent uh more up-to-date sort of horror thriller sort of things and i just think he's he's such a great actor it's just whatever role he's in and it doesn't even matter if he's in it for a very short space of time you you're left with that memorable impression of of him being there he's in uh titanic isn't he he's quite a <laughs> quite it's quite a sort of not very nice person uh, in, in titanic i will it, probably get my nerd card revoked for this but i had never seen time bandits until i went on a big oh. david warner binge when he passed away and had never seen time he was phenomenal in time bandits and the other one Mm. i watched during that binge was and if you've never seen this one please put it on your list it is hard to watch and it is intense uh as the day is long but he was in a film um with john hurt called little malcolm and his struggle against the eunuchs which again it's 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 a lot but to watch those two guys again go up against and this is the thing is like these you know great actors elevate each other and again, it's one of the, and they elevate scripts, you know, and we've seen that with the story we talked about today. Again, the, the, the mm-hmm. story is what it is, but to have these four people giving it to us is incredible. And when, you know, you get a, a, a team up like John Hurt and David Warner in, in Little Malcolm, it is, it's electrifying. Mm. I think, I, I mean, I know when you, you sort of pose the question mark um, around David Warner and, you know, favorite stories this i'm not that familiar with the unbound series i have to say i think i have one story and i think it was a freebie you know they gave away at christmas or something you could download it so i I remember just sort of listening to it and that was it but a bit like what fraser was talking about about would it make you want to jump on board to to other stories this to me, I now want to listen to some more of the. I, I've been reading about the Unbound series, mm-hmm. about how the alternative Doctor fits into you know established timelines and stuff like that. And and I love uh, Benny Summerfield as a, as a character as well. So mm-hmm. I have taken away from this story. Uh, I've already downloaded some of those stories to listen to in the next couple awesome. of weeks because I just think oh, it's a wonderful fresh portrayal of the doctor and i love how eccleston says he should have played the doctor you know he, there's a there's a real tribute to him there and he has got that sort of world weariness about him which I, I i really enjoyed that is a you've made a good life choice i'm gonna tell you that right now those stories the when he passed away the 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 most recent one had only the most recent box set mm. had only just come out uh i haven't listened to it yet because it's I, I I'm I'm loath to let that character go. The, that series, it, you know, that world weariness, the the way he sparks off of Lisa Bowerman's Bernice, it is, it's it's a it's an entirely different beast. It is Doctor Who in a way that it's never been done before, which is that is that is saying something. 
I think I, I've heard a couple of them. It, quite an old one now is is the one he did with um, the Brigadier, um, with Masters of War, I think. That's the very so first one, yeah. Yeah, so it's the Unbound Doctor and the Brigadier up against the Daleks. So that mm -hmm. that is a fantastic story. Um, mm -hmm. Just having um, Nicholas Courtney traveling with the Doctor in the TARDIS, for, you know, mm -hmm. is 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 a novelty and a fantastic thing. Those two work really well together. It's a Dalek story, and that most recent one, I'm trying to. Remember, it's something like Blood yeah. and Steel, it's isn't Blood it? Blood and Steel, yeah. Blood and Steel, the the name of it, and I, th I think it's 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 slightly more of a Bernice story, but but he's in all of the all of the elements of it, and it's a brilliant set, just absolutely it's brutal, mm -hmm. and, and brilliant, and and they're fantastic together. Uh, and and I had uh, the Omen and Time Bandits written down here because I'm not really a horror movie guy at all, mm -hmm. but the Omen's probably one of the first horror movies I ever saw, and I still love it. I think it's just an absolute classic. And like you say, he's such a memorable character in it. He's absolutely brilliant. And and the Time Bandits, it's just one of those films that I, I can't even remember the first time I saw it. I've just kind of, <laughs> uh, I was two when it came out. So I just, I, I must have just kind of watched it when it was, uh, you know, it was on TV ever since I was a kid and uh, I loved it as well. So yeah, really, uh, really sad loss, but an incredible body of work that, uh, that you know, uh, we can uh, we can still enjoy and, and discover yeah. new things. I hadn't heard of the film that you mentioned there, Melvin. And the two oh, things yeah. Well, on the extras as well, the Thirty Nine Steps and the Frankenstein. I um, I haven't seen either of those two either, so I want to look those out. Mm -hmm. The other, uh, I'm trying to find it. I it, 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 I may not be able to find it uh, very quickly, but there the one uh, uh, unbound performance that for me for David Warner is heads and tails above every other one. I think it. Oh, here it is. It's on a uh, volume four, Ruler of the Universe. Um, there's one where he, I mean, the entire episode is him sitting down with, I think it's Annette Badland who plays his therapist. And again, that is, that episode is just like, it is mind blowing because again, it's just like, it's a way of seeing the doctor that you just, it's just never been done before. And it's incredible. Absolutely incredible. Just as a recommendation, if anyone's looking for a, a particular, mm -hmm. cause I mean the unbound series, I mean, you can really, it, you can wherever, wherever it's not necessarily continuous mm -hmm. asking for a friend that's what it's called by james goss it's an absolutely incredible oh yeah i've seen it referenced before i've not actually um heard the story but yeah and again that's one of those ones where annette badland like you know uh, people need to come to terms with the fact that the slovene as much as people dislike them are like a quarter of the eccleston tv stories <laughs> and you know that Margaret Slavine, played by Nat Badland, is one of the Ninth Doctor on TV's biggest enemies. And you know, again, to get her in for this, to have her against David Warner is, is again, it's it's electric. It's electric. And David Warner also played King Lear for Big Finish as well, which is uh, which is another another recommendation. So yeah, definitely uh, some some good recommendations there if you if you're not that familiar with David Warner's work so definitely check those out it's a, it's a huge amount of work yeah. so much mm. stuff thank you very much for joining us Marvin and, and thank you for your kind words about the podcast uh, so instead of shouting at your phone uh, this uh, this time you get to shout at us <laughs> shout at myself <laughs> yeah Melvin would you like to let our listeners know where they can find you online 
yes, of course. Um, I am on Twitter. I won't call it anything else. At Kittenry, K-I-T-T-E-N-R-Y, <clears throat> uh, which is the kind of mischief that kittens get into. And I am on Instagram at Melvin, two underscores, Pena, P-E-N-A. Thank you again so much for uh, pressing me into service. I'm glad to serve. Thank you for joining us at, at short notice. And Fraser, your top 60 of Doctor Who TV stories continues apace. Yes, um, rapidly approaching the Bon Jovi point on that. Um, but yeah, you can find me at um, skiesfulofdiamonds.wordpress.com um, as I count down the my personal top 60 Doctor Who stories of all time uh, in the run-up to the 23rd of November. Um, you'll also find me again on uh, and Twitter, nothing else called, but Twitter is at Felix Fraser, or one word in Fraser with a Z. And James, where can we find you and anything to plug? Uh, yeah, you can find me at Jixter2009 on Twitter as well. I, I stick to that. Um, and you'll also find, if you check me out, you'll see there's a pinned tweet which has got a link to all the recordings that I've done with uh phantom films which is our classic series review of every single episode and quite a few of them contain me in cosplay <laughs> i'm not saying good cosplay just cosplay <laughs> and you got the is it pandorica convention coming up pandorica is coming up yeah in november so yeah only a month away tickets still available I believe it's sold out, but I think uh, there are tickets that are still available for the next one, which is yeah, which is uh, next beginning of next year in Sheffield. Oh. I'm on Twitter and and Blue Sky as at Quark McMalis, and you can find the podcast at Trap One underscore on Twitter and just just Trap One on uh, on Blue Sky. Find all our previous episodes at trap1.podbean.com and please do join us next week where another panel will be discussing something else from the worlds of Doctor Who. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Bye, everyone. Farewell. Great. I'll stop that there. I was going to add in there. It was really good to talk about Flux this week. (laughs) 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 Continuity all over. <laughs> <laughs>